I want you to know that I'm approaching this sermon this morning very cautiously. I've been tasked with the opportunity, the task of bringing you a message on addiction. And for those of you who have ever walked closely with someone who's been struggling with addiction, or those of you yourselves who have walked through addiction and, and addictive behaviors, you know, it's extremely difficult. And when we start talking about addiction, this is a heavy subject. I mean, I, I remember walking through it kind of closely with my, with my in-laws, Lauren's parents. They have a large extended family and, and are really close to a lot of them. And my mother-in-law, Bonnie, walked really, really close with her cousin. Everyone called him little Tony, who was struggling with an addiction to heroin. And both of Lauren's parents, Andy and Bonnie, did everything that they could to try and help little Tony get his life together. As you can imagine, having an addiction to heroin, he made some pretty terrible life choices that had some significant consequences. He was continually in and out of prison for, you know, possession, for drug possession. He, he had fathered several different, you know, children from different women. And he had a, a, a new baby girl from, from a girlfriend named Katie who was also addicted to heroin. And it, his life was in shambles. But he loved Andy and Bonnie so much because he knew that they loved him and that they would do whatever they could to try and help him get his life together. He wanted to be a good dad. He wanted to provide. But no matter how hard he tried to just shake free of this addiction, he just seemed to couldn't do it. But that didn't keep Andy and Bonnie from trying to help him. I remember there were times, you know, Andy owned a blind business. And so he had trained little Tony on how, on how to install blinds for him so that he could have a job, so that he could make some money, so he could provide for his family. But then little Tony wouldn't show up. He wouldn't follow through with the things that he had told my father-in-law, Andy. Or I remember Bonnie taking, uh, taking the little baby to, to watch the little baby so that Katie, the girlfriend, could go and, and apply for jobs or, or have job interviews. But no matter how hard she tried, she couldn't get a job for various reasons. I remember even Andy made business cards for little Tony. He was a really talented painter. And so he tried to, he got a business going for little Tony, went through the whole process with him, got him business cards, told him how to advertise, taught him all this different stuff, but it didn't even go anywhere because before it could get started, Little Tony ended up back in prison. So no matter how hard he tried, he just couldn't shake it free. And Andy and Bonnie tried so hard, but it just wasn't enough. But you know what? Like it wasn't all little Tony's fault. I mean, little Tony, he grew up around drug addiction and drugs constantly. His mom was addicted to, to cocaine and his dad, Big Tony, was a drug dealer. And so it was constantly around him. And it even, it seems like he was set up to fail from the very beginning. They didn't want to be addicts. They wanted to somehow stop, but they just couldn't get free. You know, the definition of, of addiction, if you look at it at Webster's Dictionary, it's defined as a compulsive, chronic, physiological or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior or activity having harmful physical, physiological, or social effects and typically causing well-defined symptoms upon withdrawal or abstinence. 
That's the definition of addiction. But ultimately in most cases, and this was the case with little Tony, addiction is a symptom of a deeper issue. It's a coping mechanism for something we feel we need to overcome. And it's often caused by trauma. That's what little Tony had walked through. He had this trauma from his childhood that had forced him towards this thing. And now no matter how hard he tried, it just didn't seem like he'd get free. And it's easy then for us to think about what we're walking through with the pandemic. Our whole society has been cast into this traumatic experience of what we've walked through with COVID that we're looking for all kinds of things to try and cope. And the statistics are alarming. When you look at the different addiction statistics and substance abuse, those things have skyrocketed since the start of COVID. Just a couple of numbers that, that show how traumatic this experience has been. According to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, as of June, 2020, 13% of Americans reported starting or increasing substances as a way of coping with stress or emotions related to COVID-19. I mean, that's, that's an alarming number, but what's even worse is that since that, in that same time, 18%, there's been an 18% increase in overdoses that have been reported since the start of COVID-19. And in a study done by the Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, they found that al- alcohol consumption among adults increased by 14% from 2019 to 2020. And during that same time, women specifically exhibit a 41% increase in alcohol consumption. But it isn't just substances that people are running to to try and cope with the, the trauma of COVID. Another study showed that porn, that the usage of pornography from March to April in 2020 at the very beginning of the pandemic went up 22%. And that's an incredible number when you consider that even before the pandemic, 80% of men and 45% of women looked at pornography weekly. I mean, it, it seems hopeless. We've got all these things going on that we're running to to try and cope with the trauma that we're experiencing from the pandemic. And when you hear those statistics and we even begin to talk about addiction, it's easy to feel like there's no hope. But I want you to know that there absolutely is hope. And not just hope for wishful thinking, but hope for freedom. And that hope is found in God's word. And in in this book and on these pages is a message that leads to liberty. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Ecclesiastes chapter two, And that's where we're gonna start reading this morning to find the hope that Jesus has for us in his word. But while you're turning there, I wanna throw this caution out, just like we have every week. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a a licensed counselor. I'm not a a psychiatrist. I don't even play one on television. I'm a pastor. And so what I wanna do is I wanna point you to the truth that is in God's word, but I, but I don't wanna stop just there. I understand that things that we're gonna talk about, that there are layers and depths of, of things in addiction that we're not gonna to touch on in the sermon today, but God has provided 
counselors and Christian counselors, and he's provided support groups that are able to give you the help that you need. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're walking through uh, having some form of trauma or, or your addiction is a compulsive disorder that leads to destructive behavior, God has provided Christian counselors and, and licensed professionals and support groups that can walk alongside you to help you get the freedom that you need. And so I encourage you, reach out to us. Text next step to 94253 and indicate that that's what you want. And we'll talk more about that later, but to help you, to help you lean into the things that you need to find freedom. Because the truth is, addiction is never overcome in isolation. If it is, it, it rarely happens that way. We need people. And so we have support groups called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, other people that can come alongside you to help arrest that destructive behavior but we'd also hope that you would get with a, with a professional, a, a licensed counselor, a Christian counselor that we trust so that they can help you dig down to the root of where that behavior comes from so that you can live in freedom. Because in any case, what's at the root of addiction is the thought or belief that something else could satisfy us other than Jesus. And what we find is when we're looking for anything else to satisfy us, we continually, wind up empty, looking for more. And so what we need to understand, just like we've talked about each week, is being able to identify what those behaviors are. What are the thoughts behind that behavior that lead me towards addiction so that I can take it captive and live in freedom? Because the truth is, we can find ourselves addicted to anything. And there are some of you listening right now that are walking in addictive behaviors and leaning towards addiction, and you're not even aware of it. And so we need to see what the thoughts are that lead us towards that so we can take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. So with that in mind, let's take a look at what God's word says in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter two, starting in verse one. Here's what it says. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart, how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desires, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure for my heart found pleasure in my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done in the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I mean, did you see and hear all the things that Solomon listed? 
it's like he was almost addicted to greatness. That no matter how much he gained, he had to have more pursuing thing after thing to try and find satisfaction, but it was never enough. You know, every addictive behavior, it has something called the law of diminishing returns, which states that what used to bring you the pleasure that you desired now slowly diminishes. So you need more and more and more to try and achieve that same pleasure level. And that's what Solomon experienced. And his list is extensive of the things that he pursued. He pursued achievement and he pursued wine and cheering himself with wine. He pursued, he had constant sexual pleasure there at his disposal with many concubines and the, the delight of man, as it says right here and concubines and wives, he had over 700. He, he, he pursued great achievements with all the success and all the things that he found. He had pools and fruit trees and vineyards. He enjoyed entertainment with the best singers in the land and he did all these things, but it was never enough. Look at how he says it in verse 10. He says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. He had gained everything, but he was filled with nothing. And that's why he says what he says in verse 11. He says, behold, all was vanity, a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. That's what is at the heart of everything that we struggle with, with addiction. See, the truth is what's at the root of addiction is anything that we seek for satisfaction other than Jesus is something that we can be addicted to. You know, we tend to think of addiction just having to be related to substances or even pornography. But we can see here from Solomon's list, this passage is evidence that anything that we would seek after to try and find satisfaction that is something that we can be addicted to. I mean, really people get addicted to all kinds of things. People get addicted to video games. They get addicted to social media like Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat. People get addicted to even uh, just constantly communicating and seeing what's happening through social media, but also just texting their friends. People get addicted to just straight to their phones. They're addicted to binging the right shows on Netflix, we even get addicted to good things like working out, being physically fit. We get addicted to work. We get addicted to even food. So those things in and of themselves aren't bad, but they become destructive when we begin to seek those things out to be our satisfaction. We begin to look towards created things to be what satisfies us, satisfy us rather than the creator who made us. And if we're looking for anything else other than Jesus to be our satisfaction, we will find ourselves empty. And we'll have to continue to look more and more going deeper and deeper and deeper into other things to try and just have a moment of satisfaction when those things just end up empty. The apostle Paul actually talked about this. He, is he talked about the importance of not being dominated by anything because anything that we put our hope in other than Jesus can lead to find, find us finding ourselves in a place in a cycle of addiction. Look what the apostle Paul says about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, he says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. The apostle Paul is saying, he can participate in just about anything. All things are lawful for him, 
Not all things are helpful, but all things are lawful for him. What he's getting at here is he's saying, I can enjoy fine drink. I can enjoy fine food. All these things are fine and good. But if I allow myself to be dominated by anything, then that thing will be what lords over me. And that is what I will serve instead of Christ. That's why he says what he says. He has determined in his heart not to be dominated by anything because he knows whatever dominates us, even, even if it's a good thing that God has given us, because the giver and the gift are good. But we have this problem in our heart where we begin to worship the gift instead of the giver. We begin to look towards the created thing to be our satisfaction rather than our creator. And when that happens, we, begin to be, we can begin to become dominated even by good things. And that will lead to destruction. And I'm telling you this, not just because I'm supposed to as, as a pastor, but because I've experienced it. And one of my favorite things to do, just period, is have fun. I love to have fun. In fact, in school, I, I always found that it was my responsibility to make sure that everyone else in the classroom had a, a good fun learning experience, classroom to, to, to grow up in. I just love to have fun. And so in that, I, I like to do mindless activities. So one of my favorite things to always do was to play video games. Because when I was bored, here was an instant way for me to have fun and to exercise my competitive desire to conquer and to win. And so my favorite video games always were college football games. And as those games progressed in, in high school and in college, they, get, they began to become so much fun. I mean, you could be the player of a, of a, of a low, you know, a low tier college for four years and work your way up to winning the Heisman. And as soon as you'd graduate, you could take over and be the coach of that team. And you'd have to recruit players and you'd have to grow up and take your school from a three-star program to a four-star program and, and, and become one of the nation's elite programs. And it was so much fun. And even when Lauren and I got married, that was one of the ways I love to spend my spare time. Like one of my favorite things to do. But what began to happen is I began to find myself like daydreaming about it. I began, it began to become the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning. And the last thing I thought about when I went to bed, went to bed at night, I would think about who I was gonna recruit and, and who the, how I was gonna be the number 10 team in the nation and take on number two team and hopefully beat them and, and be the underdog and win. And I would daydream about these things. I'd even begin to look forward to times where Lauren would be, have to go run an errand so I could have extended amounts of time by myself to play video games. And I tried to be a good husband, but there were times I was much more thinking about when I could be alone to play this video game rather than enjoy my wife. I was already a student pastor and I, I have to admit there were times where I would even postpone a gospel appointment with a student that didn't know Jesus so that I could go home and play a video game because I knew there was gonna be a period of time where Lauren was gonna be gone. And there'd be times I'd be convicted about it, that maybe this was too much. Maybe my mind and my heart should be set on the Lord, but then I'd just write it off. I, I, I would write it off because, it, listen, it's, it's just a video game. And what I didn't understand is that I had found myself stuck in a cycle of addiction. 
I wanna show you what that looks like. This is the cycle of addiction. Every single addiction starts with a cue. There's a cue and that cue is a thought that will lead us to acting on a routine. And that routine then moves itself to a reward. And that reward is the payoff. And because that reward is so good, that reward then leads to a craving. And after that craving is set, is set forth in our minds, then that leads us back to a cue. Whenever we experience pleasure, dopamine fires off in our brain and we begin to be captivated by this thought of trying to experience that over and over and over again. And what happens is we find ourselves stuck in this addiction of trying to have that experience, but because the law of diminishing returns, we have to get deeper and deeper and deeper to find that same pleasure. And that's what was happening with me. I was in this cycle of addiction and my cue was I hated being bored. So anytime I found myself bored, I wanted to fill my mind with nothingness so I could get rid of the boredom and I could experience pleasure. So that led to a routine of daydreaming and thinking about it and eventually playing it for hours on end whenever I could. There'd be times I'd wake up in the middle of the night after Lauren had fallen asleep so I could go out and play because there was a reward. I felt entertained. I felt pleasure. I, the, all the insecurities I've shared before about a feeling too weak and like I wasn't enough, like somehow this was fulfilling my college dreams of, of becoming great as a college athlete. And that led to a reward and that reward led to a craving and I found myself addicted and I didn't even know it. I was enslaved, I was dominated, I was stuck. And there was no way of getting out. But one night, Lauren was gone visiting her parents in St. Louis. And so after hours and hours of playing video games into the night, I finally went to bed and I had the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. In this dream, Lauren and, and myself and a bunch of people we were at, we were at the beach and it was a cloudy day, but there was this gate there at the beach. And all of a sudden we were just kind of talking around, hanging out. And all of a sudden the clouds burst forth with all this and all this light comes busting through. And even in my song, there was some music that started that made it really dramatic. And as the gates open, everyone just begins to run. And Lauren is up on this apartment building as the light comes shining through, she goes, Matt, look, there's Jesus. And I look up as we're all running and I see Jesus there in the clouds. And I begin to think, oh my goodness, this is it. I'm about to see Jesus face to face. I'm about to meet him in the air because I begin to see all these people jumping. And just like it says in scripture that people are being gathered to him in the air. And I'm like, I'm about to fly up to Jesus and see him face to face. And so I get down, I bound and jump up and I take off and I'm flying. And I'm flying towards Jesus and I'm so excited. But then all of a sudden, as I come towards Jesus, I pass him. And as I'm flying, I remember in my dream, trying to, trying to pull myself back down to him. As I'm looking back, he's getting further and further in the distance. And more and more people are being gathered towards him, but I am getting further and further away. And no matter how hard I try to pull down, I just can't fly back. And it begins to get darker and darker around me. As I begin to look around me, I begin to see addicts of all kinds 
people that looked like drug dealers and their face were downcast and around their ankles and around their wrists were shackles. And as I looked at the defeat on them and saw them enslaved and imprisoned in these shackles, I looked at me and on my wrists and on my ankles were those same shackles. And as the darkness closed in around me and Jesus was almost completely out of view, I hung my head and I said, oh no, I missed it. Then I woke up. Can I just tell you that when I woke up, the fear of God was all over me. It was four o'clock in the morning and for, and for the next hour and a half, I confessed every sin imaginable. I'm pretty sure I confessed things that I hadn't even done. I just couldn't, I was so fearful of what I had experienced. And then the Lord broke through in an unbelievable way and said, Matt, you are so far enshackled and enslaved to this PlayStation 2. You have got to get rid of it. You have bought the lie that it can satisfy you more than me. And you've replaced me with a video game. I knew I had to take captive the thought. I knew I had to arrest that. I got up and I pulled everything off the television, the PS2, every game, every controller, all of it. I threw it in the trash can. I took that trash can out. I got into my car. I drove down to the dumpster in our apartment complex. I slammed that thing on the ground several times, even slammed it up against the, the dumpster and then threw it away. And praise God that he gave me a dream to wake me up so that I could be set free from that PS2. I cleaned it out. I had discovered and what the thought was that led me to addiction. And I arrested that behavior. Praise God for that. But here's the thing. We can't stop at just capturing the thought. We also have to take it captive. If you remember that principle that we taught the very first week and we talked about it last week as well, that when we have any thought that's destructive, that isn't obedient to Christ. We need to take that thought captive and then replace it with the truth of God's word. Because if we just take it captive, if we just take captive the thought that leads us to addictive behavior, what we'll, and don't replace it with God's word is what we'll find is we'll, there'll be a point where we'll believe the lie again and it, we'll find ourselves worse off than we were before. Jesus actually talks about how important this is to not just clean things up and take it captive, but to replace it with the truth. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 24 and 26 through 26, he says this, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. So then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. It's not enough just to simply take something captive. The principle here is that Jesus is saying, if you just take it captive and don't replace it with truth, yes, it's swept and it's, and it's put in place, it's cleaned out. But if it isn't now filled and replaced with the truth of God's word of who you are in Christ Jesus, then you'll find yourself deeper in addiction than you ever were before. The last state will be worse than the first. But God wants us to walk in freedom. 
He wants us to experience the fullness of who he is. And he wants us to walk in freedom. And so what we need to do is yes, take captive the thoughts that lead us towards addictive behavior, but then fill it with the truth of the gospel. The gospel, the message that declares that even though you and I were trapped in addiction and and in shame and in sin, Jesus left heaven and lived a perfect life to go to the cross, not while we were getting better, not while we were trying harder to not walk in our addictive behavior, but while we were still stuck in cycles of sin and slavery, he lived a perfect life and then died on the cross declaring when he said it is finished, he meant it and he rose again on the third day so that we could receive the Holy Spirit just like we sang earlier and so that he could resurrect us to new life and we could be made new in him and experience freedom. The resurrected King is resurrecting us And that happens through belief in the gospel. It's the gospel that is the beginning starting place for freedom. Because it's when we believe the gospel, that message that we receive the Holy Spirit and we are given everything that we need for life and for godliness. That's what God's word tells us in 2 Peter verse one, three, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter one, verse three through four. Look at what it says. It says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted us his, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What an unbelievable promise that we've been given everything we need. The power of God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And that word for life there in the Greek, in the original language, it means, it's the word Zoe. It it communicates this meaning of life that's life to the absolute fullest, a life overflowing with everything that we hope for and desire, full of love, joy, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, the full character of God. We have been given everything we need to experience life and life to the absolute fullest that can only be, that is full of satisfaction in who Jesus is. We've been given everything we need for that life and we've been given everything we need for godliness. And that means we have everything we need to be pure. We have everything we need to be secure. We have everything we need to walk in freedom. And it's all through our knowledge of him And he has given us his very great precious promises so that through the promises of God, we actually begin to become partakers in the divine nature. And that is the character of God. So it's through the promises of God and through the knowledge of God that we actually begin to be transformed to becoming like him and are able to escape the corruption of the world caused by our sinful desire. So instead of us walking towards our sin and towards our addiction, We take those thoughts captive. We make them obedient to Christ. And what we fill our minds and our thoughts with is the promises of God. We have everything we need to escape the corruption of those evil thoughts, to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ and fill and replace them with the promises of God. So that every time the enemy reminds you of that old cue, 
and you're tempted to, to go back to that old routine that you used to walk in, to bring about that old reward that, that led you to ultimately a craving for something that just left you in slavery. When that new cue comes, the spirit of God reminds you, I've given you a brand new cue through belief in the gospel. That you've got, you've got a new cue. And that new cue is that you belong to him. You are his. He gives you, he reminds you, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't go back to that. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're more than a conqueror. You have been made brand new. And that new cue that you're a child of God, that you belong to him leads to a brand new routine, a routine of Bible reading because you know you've got everything you need for life and godliness through the promises of God and your knowledge of him allows you to walk in that. So the spirit promises you to, rem to, promises to remind you of everything that Jesus said. But if he's gonna remind us of what he said, we have to have read it. So we have a new routine of Bible reading, a new routine of prayer and journaling, just like we talked about last week, where we write out thankful lists and we take our requests to God, taking the, the thoughts captive and replacing them with thankfulness in the truth that Jesus is enough for us. And then we replace it with confession and accountability. We confess our sins to God because we know that his promise says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But we also confess it to other people because we have a new routine of accountability. And accountability isn't just other people asking me, it's about me choosing to make myself accountable to others. So, so accountability can happen through things like, like celebrate recovery, a group of people that help me arrest these behaviors. But also I need to seek out two to three other people that, that are following Jesus so that I can call them and say, hey, I'm tempted in this way. We pray the promises of God over me because James 5, 16 says, if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, we will be healed. And that new routine leads us to go, man, I, I need to go talk to a counselor so that I can unpack and find what's at the root of all this. And that new routine when we walk in those things leads to a brand new reward of change. We experience the, the, the character of God, the divine nature through the promises of God, joy, hope, peace. We get the reward of having fellowship with God. And that reward leads us to a craving just for more of his presence. And what happens is when we believe the gospel and he gives us this new cue, and we walk in new routines that leads to a new reward and leads to a craving for more of him, then what we found is that we're no longer in a cycle of slavery, but we're in a cycle of freedom. And it comes by believing the gospel. Now listen, there, there are some of you watching right now that you know you are stuck in sin. You're stuck in a cycle of just living for yourself. And you've gone towards everything you can think of to try and find satisfaction and it's left you empty and it's left you enslaved. But right now the spirit of God is convincing you that he wants to give you a brand new cue. He wants to set you completely free. And that happens by you putting your faith in the gospel. So if you're at home and you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you've been dominated by all these other things, but you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, make him the Lord of your life right now by believing the gospel that declares that even though you're not enough, he's enough for you. And the way for you to do that is just to text next step to 94253. And a pastor will reach out with you and walk with you as what it means to place your faith in Jesus. Receive that right now. 
receive the new cue by receiving the gospel, that he can make you new, who can make you whole. He can make you his. But also you can do that privately in your home right now, but he's also called you the victory that he's given you to make that public. And so on, there's an opportunity for you to do that just next week on September 12th, a week from today, we're having a baptism celebration at Lake Viridian where, where masses of people are gonna declare, Jesus has set me free. He has taken my place and he's given me a brand new cue and he's leading me in victory and in freedom. So if you need to be baptized in that same form that you receive when you text next step to 94253, just indicate that you wanna be baptized because you've placed your faith in Jesus. Listen, there are others I know, like we talked about, you're, you're dealing with deep, deep addiction and you don't know a way out. Yes, you need to believe the gospel, but it is not faithless or make you a failure if you realize that you need additional help and you need more resources. So we wanna, we wanna point you towards celebrate recovery, towards people that can help you arrest that behavior, but also point you to, to Christian counselors that we trust and that can help you discover your new cue in Christ Jesus as they get to the root of what's going on from the trauma or from the different things you've experienced. So if that's you and you need that, again, text next step to 94253 and you can indicate to us in the comments that you need to see a Christian counselor. But all of us, we need to remember what Christ has done, that he's enough for us, that the gospel is enough and he has saved us for freedom so that we can be a free. He even arrested death so that we could be free, so we could be his. So as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper and we prepare our hearts, let's, let's be ready to respond to who God is and what he's done for us and how he set us free. Let's do that right now.